I have only one purpose in standing here before you today, and it's an odd purpose for me. I don't usually do this. I just want you to feel good. <laughs> and that's why most people come to their weekly religious service, right? Just to feel good. That's, so that, for once, is what I want for you. I want you to leave here feeling good. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the flight. Speaking of flights, I was in an airport the other day. I love airports. I love airports because I love to people watch. Uh, and there's no place like it, particularly Atlanta, the busiest airport in the world. One of my favorite things to watch are young parents trying to drag kids <laughs> through the airport and asking themselves, staring that it, at, that, with, at each other with that look that said, what were we thinking? What have we done here? And the kid's crying, and one's dropped a blanket, and they're running, and they're angry with each other, and they're not even on the plane yet. That's where the fun really starts, especially for everyone around them, right? But you have people with gray hair to green hair, black, brown, white, people in a hurry to get places, people not in a hurry to get places, who inevitably you get behind when you are in a hurry to get somewhere, or that cart that drives down the middle and they're like about to run over you and they're honking that thing at you. And when you walk by, they drive by, they look at you like... And I want to say, you're on a cart. I'm walking through the airport. Come on, give me a break. But there's so many attitudes and actions and dynamics that are happening in an airport. And there's usually a lot of emotion outside of the, the angry parents at each other for having kids. Excited and angry with sometimes anticipation. Sometimes there's sadness. You're, you're saying goodbye to somebody. There's incredible, amazing joy when you're welcoming somebody. So you have laughter and frowns and scowls. And you can, you can read a lot about people by their faces, right? Well, at least you used to be able to. At least you used to be able to. People watching in the Atlanta airport is not that fun anymore because this is what you watch. That's about what you can see. You can't really tell if someone's happy or sad or much of anything. You can still see the people chasing after the kids, but that gets old. As a matter of fact, you couldn't even, you couldn't even people watch for a good bit of the last 14 months. First of all, there was no reason to go to an airport. You couldn't even get on an airplane. You couldn't fly anywhere. For some period of that time, you could not even leave your home. And in case you've forgotten, 12 months ago, you couldn't buy toilet paper. Does anyone remember that? stockpiling toilet paper. And even after 14 months, people watching in life in general is still not really what I would consider normal. Even after completing the, uh, a whole festival cycle, this really sort of began back around Passover last year. That's when it was maybe kind of in its, its full swing We're still socially distanced. We're still covered up with masks. We're inundated with information about one thing one day and then another the other day. 
And once it was six feet, now three feet's fine, and ugh. Trust the science, but the science doesn't trust itself, and no one knows. Vaccine? No vaccine. I mean, there's just, there's no clear direction, really, for us. Even after 14 months, we're still struggling to find our way forward. I remember being in a meeting last last February at the end of the month with at the end of uh, the end of February, 2020, with a, with the FFOZ guys, and I remember Daniel Lancaster saying, "This thing looks pretty serious. I mean, it, it this looks like it could cause some pretty significant trouble for us," and all of us were pretty much like paranoid. Man, it's, 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 a, it's a flu. It's nothing. But you know what? It doesn't even really actually matter what the virus really is. Because culture itself has been consumed by something unknown. That we don't even really know what it is. What's going on? So yeah, I would agree with Daniel Lancaster. There has been a lot of COVID deaths and there's been a lot of changes that are not for the better. Could anyone have expected this? I still can't believe some of the things I see going on around me. I can't. And not just with COVID, of course, with countries, with continents, with, with the entire world. And so as we, as we approach Passover tonight, many communities are still not having seders. They're having Zoom seders, virtual seders. Many synagogues and churches are still closed or have closed permanently, along with I can't tell you the number of businesses that have closed. And yet, Passover rolls on. The festival cycle is here. Passover, right? To which many people might respond, so what? Look around. Look around, Rabbi. Look around. It, and, and the world is not normal. It's not fixed. I mean, you're going to make us feel good? It is what it is, to which I always respond. As I saw in a bathroom scribbled on the wall in St. John, of all places, it is what it is, but it will be what you make it. I hate it when people tell me it is what it is. I don't buy that. It's, it's Rabbi Menachem Mendel Schneerson's line when Jonathan Sachs told him, I don't have, I, I can't, I can't. See, the situation I find myself in, and the rabbi said to him, no, no one finds themselves in a situation. You put yourself in a situation, and if you don't like the situation, change it. It is what it is, but it will be what you make it. And you can give me a number of reasons why that can't actually work, I, can't, I haven't found one yet where that doesn't work. Terminal illness. So many things. I have watched people die on both sides. Having 
made it the best it could be, and having suffered through every last moment until their last breath. It is what it is, that's true. And it will be what you make it. So, yeah, it doesn't feel right out there. When I see masks on everyone's face, I'm reminded why I walked out of, I don't want to ramble on, I have some notes, but just everything this week culminated into this thing. I'm walking out of Kroger last night to buy something before Shabbat. And I walk out the door and everybody's putting their masks. Well, first of all, driving in cars, your own car in a mask, walking your dog outside in a mask. Israel is about to revoke the outdoor mask mandate in the month of April. I'm not even getting political. I'm really not. I'm being I was about to say sensual. That's not the word I want. I meant making sense. I'm being logical. Logical. My son is very uncomfortable right now. Sensible. Sensible. It's, it's the mask like that has, you've had the mask for six months. It's like falling on the ground a thousand times. Your dog probably had it and licked it and you like laid it on the buffet and forgot it and somebody put their mashed potatoes on it by chance and you, you just haven't gotten around to wash it. I mean, come on. I walk out of Kroger and I'm walking to my car and I hear it. What is this? Alien abduction? And a speaker in the parking lot is making this noise, and it says, Kroger wants to remind you that you can keep everyone safe by so on and so forth. In the parking lot, I felt like I was really in the twilight zone. Because by now, we already know that anyway. You don't have to spend the money to put speakers on the light poles in the parking lot to remind me. Anyway, that was a tangent, not in my notes, but that happened yesterday, and I wanted to share it with you. <laughs> I felt weird. <clears throat> but as a reminder, let's remember what we've been through, and maybe, 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 just learn a thing or two for the way forward. Because, I will tell you this, 12 months ago when we observed Passover, I say observed because we didn't really celebrate it because we did it alone. You may have had a Passover Seder. It was probably you and your spouse or you and maybe your kids. And that was it. There wasn't any open up your home and have. Yeah, we still, we still may have had matzah and bitter herbs and drank four glasses. And based on what was happening last year, maybe 12 glasses. I don't know. All the good stuff. But it didn't really feel like Passover. Why? Because we were alone. No relatives, friends, inquiring minds who wanted to understand this messianic Jewish thing. No opportunity to fill the song with room with sweet kosher wine. I mean... It just wasn't the same. And the kids, like, they weren't that interested in finding the Afikoman when their biggest competition was their two-year-old sister who was rubbing your mask in her mashed-up broccoli. <laughs> then we counted the Omer, right, up to Shavuot in the midst of 
very, very challenging and uncertain times. The 50 days leading up to something great, Pentecost, Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks, but things didn't change at Shavuot. It came and went. There were no all-night Torah studies. We didn't drown ourselves as a community in cheesecake and nacho cheese dip. You eat dairy on Shavuot. We're going to do that this year, God willing. There was no sharing deep interpretations of Torah text because we were alone. Then we endured the long, dry summer, and for Tisha B'Av, we read the Book of Lamentations. Yes, alone. We really lamented over the festival, now the fast day of Tisha B'Av. The destruction of the temple had a new sort of thing. Wow, it feels like society is destructing around us. The high holidays didn't seem quite as high this year, as many people still were participating virtually. I'm sorry to say, a shamnu does not sound, it doesn't have quite the same power over Zoom to confess your sins that way. Hanukkah had a warning about a holiday surge. People didn't necessarily get to enjoy their Latkas and lighting Hanukkiot. The New Year for Trees was good. That was January and that was outside. So we could go outside and celebrate probably, no offense, the least meaningful holiday in the Jewish calendar. We could go and enjoy that. But then Purim came along. It's in the month of Adar. That was February. There's a, there's a, there's a phrase that goes along with, with the month of Adar in the Jewish calendar. And it says, Mishe Nichnas Adar. Mishe Nichnas Adar. I can't remember the last part of it. But it, it, what it means is, our joy increases in Adar. Our joy increases in Adar. And by the way, you might be asking yourself, um, the first words out of your mouth, Rabbi, are my only intention is to make you feel good. You're failing miserably at that. I just want to let you know. Purim. That's what, that's what it is. In the month of Adar, we increase our joy. And you know what? That actually did happen this year. It was nice. Something, just a little thing, like I don't even know what the thing was, just, just being here for Purim. And we've been together as a community. I'm not suggesting that we haven't. We've sort of defied a lot of odds and rules and done a lot of things together. But even around the world, I sort of began to sense a, just a little, a little enjoyment. But where Adar leads is into this month, into the month of Nisan. This is the beginning of the festival calendar. So we've come through 12 months of what's been behind us. And here we are at Passover. What are we going to do with it? Because I think Pesach is the pivot point. What is it? First of all, Pesach is the Jewish time of beginning. One popular Jewish opinion suggests that the world was created in the month of Nisan. That, that God set out to create the world. There are, of course, other opinions. We don't have to talk about that today. But one is that the beginning of the world. And then it is the beginning of the Jewish people. 
Really it is. Exodus 6, when God, with the four cups we recall, are bringing us out from the burdens of Egypt, saving from their bondage, redemption, taking you, taking the Jewish people as a people. Those are the four cups. That's where God started the Jewish people, in essence, was at this time. It was the beginning of that. It's the beginning of that relationship. There's a fifth cup, by the way, which I really thoroughly enjoy. It's Elijah's cup. We don't get to drink that one. But that's the one we're looking for, by the way. That's the cup that's going to take us into the land that's in that Exodus 6 language. So right now we have four cups, that fifth one that sits for Elijah, that's symbolic. But it's so God, it's so God to not just get you out of a bad situation, but to give you a promise of taking you somewhere better. That's why we believe in God. That's why we love God, because we know we will face difficulties, but that he has a place to take us if we'll let him. This holiday is a remembrance of going out. Many monumental events in Jewish history begin with going out of somewhere. What's the first going out? It's the name of the Torah portion where the guy actually goes out. You know what it is? The people of God's, the relationship between God and all of humanity obviously began before that. But the ones who would be blessed began because of Abraham's faithfulness and his step out, his lech lecha. Leave. Leave this bad situation behind. Go out here into nowhere where you know that I'm taking you and I'll take care of you. Moses, of course, Jacob had to flee and he said, one day I'll bring you back. But I mean, and there's, 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 of course, a Messianic Jewish theological side that I could explore with you. Our story with Yeshua is also tied to going out and going in. We were slaves to sin. Yeshua brought us out of that. Yeshua saved us from death. Yeshua redeemed our character by his own. Yeshua has restored our relationship to our Father. We are God's people through him. And yes, the fifth promise, if you will, the fifth cup, one Yeshua said, I'm not going to drink any more wine until I get to drink that one in my father's kingdom. But let's not be theological for a minute. Let's just consider this Passover, Zaman Cherutenu, what we've been through, where we are now. Let's apply it for some perspective. This year, as we recall, the plagues in Egypt. We'll have a bit of added connection after the experience of 2020. The experience of literally being locked in your homes, unable to travel freely, forced to obey just because, regardless of whether you agreed or not, we can understand with a little more insight the true blessing of freedom, even if you're not really feeling it out there yet. Sometimes awareness and perspective is an important part of your attitude. Deliverance. We can rejoice in the fact that, I mean, here we are. There are a lot of people who have died over the last 14 months. A lot of people. We're here. And God is bringing us out, even if it doesn't exactly feel like it and feel normal. We are coming out of something. Our situation is changing. And that's sort of, you know, 
the Exodus story has more relevance. We're asking God to take us out from what's behind and bring us somewhere better. And yes, it's a bit dramatic, I realize, to compare one year of COVID-19 to 210 years in slavery in Israel. I mean, in Egypt. I'm not trying to make that. I am dramatic, but not that dramatic. We have a choice always. It is what it is. It will be what you make it. That is your choice to make. We can look back or we can look forward. It's interesting. James Clear, author of Atomic Habits, I read his email last week. The events of your past are fixed. The meaning of your past is not. The influence of every experience in your life is determined by the meaning you assign to it. Assign a more useful meaning to your past and it becomes easier to take a more useful action in the present. Now I need to be honest with you. I, I was not completely forthright with you in the beginning. I'm less interested in you feeling good and more interested in you feeling grateful. That's a much better emotion to go through life with. Gratitude. Good comes and goes every day. Gratitude is the decision you make every single day. So I do want you to feel good, but I want you to feel good because you're grateful. Grateful for where we've been and not being, you know, not, not being where we are. The, the album that I released a long time ago was called Where We Are Is Not Where We'll Be. I don't even know what it means, but I think it fits in here somewhere. <laughs> we may have named that after the fourth cup on one Passover. I'm not sure, but... Grateful for all God has done in the midst of uncertainty through the ages, through the ages, through your life, not just last year. Forget about that. For the revelation you've been given, for the opportunity to be able to participate in Passover and, yeah, eat stale, crusty bread with horseradish on it. That's biblical and beautiful and wonderful. And Yeshua did it and you get to do it. Zach's not very grateful for that, but I'm still working. I'm still working on him. For the perspective we've gained, if we allow ourselves to see it, for the things that we get to celebrate as free people, free people, for the opportunity we have to share what we have with others. The most famous Passover song, we sang it. Die, die, nu, die, die, nu, die, die, nu, die, nu, die, nu. A song about gratitude. It would have been enough if God, you just did this. But you didn't just do that. You did all this and all that and all this. Because that's how God is. And this is the attitude that I hope we can take into this. Passover. We're here now. We're here now, wherever it is and whatever it is. We're grateful for everything you've done. And yet, we can still look with expectation on better times. How does the Passover Seder end, Paul? What's the last thing we say? 
Yeah, what is it? Next year in Jerusalem. Does that mean that we're miserable and unhappy here in Macon or Brisbane, Australia or Prescott, Arizona, wherever your Seder is? Does that mean we're <laughs> miserable? I'm so glad this is over next year somewhere better, please. No, we enjoy what we had, but we look with optimism at where God is taking us. And next year in Jerusalem is us living in perfection with God's plan. That's where we want to end up. So we live with gratitude in the present and expectation for the future. That's sort of what Mila Messiah is, actually, the expectation of the future. Because there is, there is uh, uh, the season of redemption when we look back, we were slaves in Egypt, but Moses brought us out. And we're going to be brought out again. Yeshua, the final Redeemer. It's going to happen. Messiah will bring us in. And here's the last point. Well, Rabbi, uh, real nice, real puffy, fluffy, nice. The world stinks. I knew someone was thinking it, and Steve has the New York courage to verbalize it. That's, that's Brooklyn talking back there. Well, let me ask you this question. When they came out of Egypt, and this is where we conclude today. When they came out of Egypt, when they came out of a bad situation into a better one, was it actually right away obviously a better one? They had been locked in their homes, had to, dealing with blood and hyssop and screams of dead people all over, seeing these terrifying plagues. And then they're told, hey, listen, the bread, don't worry about the bread, eat the cardboard cracker, we're going out, we're going out. Okay, great, where are we going? Into the desert. Okay, excellent. It's better than here. Who's leading us? The 80-year-old guy. Okay, let me get this straight. Um, we're going to walk out of here into literally God only knows where because we don't really know. Um, and, and Moses is leading us. 80 years old, he sort of, I, I, don't, I don't have a huge degree of confidence in doing this under an 80-year-old's leadership. I don't exactly feel like going out into the middle of nowhere. He may not know where he's going from some appearances. Hey, wait a minute, I'm talking about the United States right now. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. We don't do politics. <laughs> My point is, it doesn't matter who's in leadership. It doesn't matter if you put your faith and hope in the government or mankind to solve your problems. Joe Biden, Donald Trump, uh, any of them. That is not where the hope for the future lies. It's just not. And sometimes the future looks uncertain. 
It does. It really did then. But God showed up. They were eating matzah, facing the Reed Sea. The army was bearing down, and gosh, that looked terrifying, but God fixed it. And we may never, ever go back to what we once knew or what was. There were slaves, freed slaves, Israelite slaves, who wanted to go back to Egypt. That's the weirdest thing I read, I think, in the Torah. Let's go, well, no, there's much more weird things than that. But let's go back. I mean, the fish and the leeks and the garlic and the onion. Come on, Moses. Why'd you bring us here? We had that there. Total, total lack of perspective, lack of gratitude, lack of future outlook. Sometimes you can't go back. And guess what? You don't need to go back because God's going somewhere else. You're either on board or you're out the door. So let's get on board. Moses wasn't following a man. The people weren't following Moses. They were following a cloud by day and fire by night eventually. That would be pretty awesome. I'd like that. That would really help me know where I was going. So here is the simple Passover message. You ready? You ready to end it? It's Shabbat Hagadol, the great Sabbath before Passover. The message is this. Small wins lead to great victories. Small wins. Be grateful for those small wins. Be happy about an improvement over last year. What we've learned, what we're more aware of, what we know can happen if we're not watchful. You do need to be watchful right now. You need to be very aware. But for now, right now, let's make the decision to embrace the journey every step of the way. It's hard sometimes to get to better, but you got to get there. And God will take you there. Israel proved that. It's too easy to wish that things were what they once were, that some crazy way we're going to go back to Egypt The way is forward. The way is kadima in Hebrew. Let's go forward. Let's go. Passover. Tis the season for going out. Tis the season of our freedom. We're not there yet, but with God's help every day, we're one step closer to that. Therefore, Chag Pesach Sameach Shabbat Shalom. Enjoy the bread of affliction. It is also the bread our fathers ate. Even the matzah is taken in perspective. Shabbat shalom.